0: The History of Alternative Podcast, a historic look back at everything alternative. So here we are at the end of a weird year, a dumpster fire year, a year we collectively can't wait to see in the rear view. With a stay at home advisory in place for Illinois, which is where we do this podcast, even Thanksgiving will be weird this year. That said, the message of Thanksgiving, that of gratitude, is unchanged. This is the History of Alternative podcast. I'm James Van Ostel. That's celebrated luchador John Manley. Hola.
1: Hello, and the History of Alternative podcast is supported by Wintrust. Go to Wintrust.com for locations and information once you're done making your talk videos.
0: And for this week, we're talking about music stuff that we're thankful for. We've shoved a lot into our horn of plenty that's not code but we're talking about the things that make us happy that make us joyful and i'll just start john for me it's vinyl vinyl has been a later in life rediscovery now when i was when i was a younger person I, all my all my new releases were purchased on record i'm 33 and a third vinyl and then i got to a point this was in the 90s late 90s i started amassing thousands of cds as you did in the 90s and i thought you know this is where the future is Why am I carrying vinyl around? I don't want to move with boxes of vinyl anymore. No one's pressing vinyl anymore. So I got rid of all my records. I donated them all. Uh, In Chicago, there was a thing called the Mammoth Music Mart, which was a charity donation that collected old instruments and recordings and sold them and turned the proceeds around to benefit ALS research. I thought, this is a great thing. I'm donating all my records. Good cause. Besides, who's ever going to want to listen to a record again? Fast forward. Five, ten years later, records again began picking up momentum, and I kind of watched new records come out, and people dive back into vinyl collecting, and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? And that feeling never left. So I got myself a turntable again about two or three years ago, and I've gone through the painstaking process of trying to buy back my entire music library. Nowhere near where I was, but that's been part of the fun. I'm a collector. I like hunting for some of this stuff. I like buying new releases. And I've come to find and appreciate the benefit of listening to a record. We all live in a streaming world where you create your playlists. But when I listen to my playlist on Spotify or wherever, I never listen to a full song. I'm always arrowing through. I, I, I listen to like the first 90 seconds and I keep on advancing the tracks. I, I don't actually benefit from listening to music. It's a very ADD type of experience. When I put a record on the turntable, for better or for worse, I'm listening to a full side, side by side, the good songs, the bad songs. I'm in that artist's world for 20 minutes, 25 minutes at a time, and I really have found myself re-enjoying that whole process, the process of putting on a record, diving into it tuning everything else out. So I'm grateful for vinyl. I'm grateful for the rediscovery of it. I'm grateful for people. Uh, you know, here in Chicago, we have a, a local pressing plant, Smash Plastic, that presses new records for independent bands. I'm just grateful for the existence and the reemergence, the resurgence of vinyl.
1: That's a great place to start, and I, I echo just about every single thing you said. I remember, you know, as a kid, you know, vinyls, by the time I was collecting music, vinyl was ancient to me. Like, it didn't make sense. But I remember like growing up as a kid, like my dad was listen to records, and uh, I, remember, I always remembered they smelled good. I always thought records smelled good, which was weird. And it's probably says a lot about me nowadays, but um, you spoke to me a lot when you are talking about your kind of living with that full album, because there is no fast forward, there is no rewind, there's no skip, there's no recommended song that I'm gonna click on next because, oh God, this reminds me of that banger from OutKast and Off I Go. It's um, sitting with an album is a it's a real lost lost art, and I, I notice a lot of times when we talk to bands, you hear them talk about that a lot too. Where it's like they miss making albums as a full thing instead of here's our twelve best songs in the right. order of probable popularity, so that they pop up faster in the streams. You know that that whole. That whole journey that you would take with um you know a Led Zeppelin album or you know Pearl Jam or whatever album you 're listening to, probably pre the vinyl resurgence in a sense right because things started to change once music started going digital, the thought process behind how things were sequenced and track listings and things I think that changed a little bit, but you go back into you know back when records and there there weren't the fast forwards and the skips and all that it was like that next song had to take you to another place and it had to keep you there so that you get to the next song and then to the next song versus you know three and then you're like i I, i'm out of here you know and i i do love that like i always um one of my favorite albums front to back is uh the bends from radiohead not even that big of a radiohead fan like i respect them and i get why everybody Mm -hmm. like puts them on the pedestal Um, and to me, the bends is sonically a perfect album. Like there's not one note on that record that's wrong or underproduced or over. It's just perfect. And that album is a million times better. If you start at the beginning and play it to the end versus, uh, going from fake plastic trees to, you know, the bends or fast forwarding to just, it's it literally and Radiohead is so good at this where it, like that whole thing plays perfectly and yeah you you lose that nowadays with
0: yeah when when everything is algorithmically done right the art of sequencing which is a legitimate art and part of the artist's vision
1: is lost yeah so and and just the like the the the, the album art and the liner notes and all of those things I remember reading uh Pearl Jam 10s liner notes while listening to the big huge vinyl it was like you know you open that thing up and unfold it and now it's like this big huge poster with you know all these notes and it was like god that was so cool and then remember when they, like when CDs started they came in like the big cardboard boxes so as oh, yeah. not to ruin the album art And now it's like, now it's just a a weird, like eight second loopy video of a band playing their guitar while you're watching
0: it on a Spotify screen on your phone, right? (laughs) You mentioned Pearl Jam. They, they went into the, the death of vinyl kicking and screaming. I remember when Vitology came out, it was the end of 94 and they released the vinyl version about a month before the CD version. So if music reviewers wanted to review Vitology, they had to, Bust out their turntable and play the record. They couldn't actually listen to the C D until the following year. So for a lot of I remember this, a lot of music critics who wanted to preview the Pearl Jam album for their year end list, they had to listen to vinyl. And at that point, it was already on its way out. People had already unplugged their turntables from their component system. Sure. At that point. But Pearl Jam went kicking and screaming.
1: Yeah, I, I do love collecting vinyl now. And that's kind of one of the things like I, I, I do more now than I ever did then.
0: You know, it's funny. In our COVID world, we don't get out much, and I forced myself to take a couple. Speak of vacation for yourself.
1: Days. I'm like in doorknobs all over the city. What are you talking <laughs> about?
0: <laughs> I, I've been forcing myself to take some vacation days, and when I do, I take myself record shopping because I literally have nothing else to do. and nowhere else to go. I, I don't visit with anyone, uh, and I've been going record shopping, and I find it very comforting. Is the wrong word? I just enjoy it. I enjoy flipping through the the. There's something
1: about it, right? Like going and finding an old, you know, like one of my, it's weird, but one of my favorite things to do when I go record shopping is I like to go into like the country section and try to find those like really old, like outlaw country records, like Waylon Jennings and things like that where it's like, or like old Willie Nelson records. I don't even really like country music, but there's just something. I don't know if that like subconsciously taps me into like my childhood or something that I don't remember from when I was like four you know what I mean? Well,
0: like, I, I get where I get where you're going with this. I don't really like country music either, but I remember when I went to Nashville, I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and I, I didn't like the majority of the stuff that was being piped in from exhibit to exhibit. But there's something about it; it's like an American history museum, and I think yeah. those old country records are like a, a tour through American history. It's Let's quintessential like, USA,
1: it, right? Like it's just a slice of Americana mm-hmm. or something. And it's it's interesting too, like. I, uh, you can tell, and I don't know if this is just because of what we do for a living, but like I also think you can really tell records that were made for vinyl versus records that were like like retrofit to be vinyl. Like new albums that come out, they're like, well, let's make a pressing for vinyl because vinyl's cool right now. Versus like a like a Jack White record that's purposely yep made for Pro Jam was one of the like probably again going back to them one of the last bands to really put that into consideration when they're mixing their records too, where it was, it just sounds different. There's a warmth to it. You know, the irony is, is it doesn't sound better. It just sounds warmer. It it sounds, it sounds real. Like if I think music coming out of a record player feels like you can touch it.
0: I agree with that. It's, it's interesting. I'm retreating back to a lot of analog or old school things. I've been talking with a couple of local artists here in Chicago who press up cassettes. And they have cassette labels. And I'm like, oh, cassettes are such a terrible way to listen to music. And then I paused and thought, I wouldn't mind popping in some old cassettes. Like, just it, it is that tactile feeling of holding music and doing something with it.
1: So you ran to the Urban Outfitters to grab your, uh, <laughs> your uh, retro not, cool cassettes,
0: right? <laughs> I have a, a boombox in my Amazon cart right now. So bad. So bad. (laughs) All right. What are you thankful for, John Manley?
1: Uh, Well, I guess we'll just kind of keep going down this path so we don't just go back to it. But I am extremely thankful for record stores. And specifically, uh, this is a very, very 90s thing that anyone under the age of 30 are going to be like, what are you talking about? But do you remember record exchange stores?
0: I remember them. I don't. Sure. I mean,. Plenty of record stores have done the same thing. Have existed, yeah. yeah. Uh, disco Round. I mean, there are plenty of yeah, places yeah. like that.
1: That's the one I'm talking about, Disco Round. Um, I'm, I'm specifically thankful for those because when I was a dumb teenager in high school, uh, me and my buddies would uh, take. Let's just say we we would take extended lunch breaks once in a while, and we would go to the Disco Round in my hometown, and we would. Listen to CDs all day. That's all like all day. We just listen to records. And, you know, it wasn't like this is before Napster even. So it wasn't like if somebody told you they really liked this band, you could just go home and listen to them. It was like you'd have to hunt it down. And if you went to the record store and they didn't have an open, you know, case of it, you couldn't listen to it, except if you went to these like disco rounds and they had it and you could basically take whatever you wanted and listen to it they it was like god it's so funny to look back on it but it was like you go to these listening stations with like a, a five disc changer and you could load the damn thing up yeah and go nuts but what it did for me and the reason i love it uh, besides saving me a lot of money on having to buy some truly truly trash records um <laughs> it was it, it was that like gateway drug so to speak right so it was I always remember I was really into Nine Inch Nails um, when I was in high school. And one of my, like, one of the guys I worked with um, was like, well, if you like Nine Inch Nails, you should, like, populate themselves. They're way better. And I was like, okay, who the hell's that? And I could go to, you know, the disco round or whatever and be like, yeah, give me Popolita itself. Like, give me, give me some of that. And there it was, and you could sit and listen to it. It was like, go to the library, but for your ears.
0: As a side note, Pop Will Eat Itself played the Cold Waves Festival at Metro in Chicago about a year and a half ago. Amazing. They are awesome. That's really cool. Can you dig it? It bin an ice Icelander or whatever. What? That was awesome.
1: That's so cool. So I think that was kind of one of those, I guess I was kind of always music nerdy, but that was like the moment where it really like, Produced the folds in my brain to never lose that, so to speak, or, or it like made me curious to always go further. So it was, you know, it was. I discover Pearl Jam. They're always talking about the Who. All right, I'm gonna go listen to the Who and Neil Young, and I don't know who these people are. Or you know, I get into Seattle, and it's like, well, I know Pearl Jam and I know Nirvana, and they're always talking about Mud Honey. All right, I'm gonna go listen to them for a while, and they, then you get into like, you know, the Melvins and all of these things that you would never. Uh, I would have spent hundreds and thousands of dollars, and I was a poor kid, so that wasn't even in the cards. And to be able to go through all that and learn about all of this music before now, it's. I mean, it's so easy. It's. It's kind of in a way. It's. It's. I. I feel kind of like kids are kind of robbed of that a little bit these days. Because it's so that. fleeting and easy that there's, you don't have to put any stake into the, this at all because you can just move on to the next song before the song is even over. You know, mm-hmm. like you're building your cue while you're listening to a song versus sitting in a room and actively going, I'm going to learn
0: about this. It's so funny how your number one choice is different but similar in reason and aesthetic yeah. to my first choice. And it's all about just the thrill of immersing yourself in music.
1: Yeah, it was the moment for me where it was, like, it just was, like, the keys to, uh, like, just a whole new different world. Like, it was just, it was, like, oh, my God, I can listen to anything? Like, are you kidding me? And I would. I would, you know, like, I would listen to, and I still try to do that to this day. I'll go through these weird, these weird phases, you know, like, we were talking about, like, outlaw country or whatever. Like, dude, I had, like, a month where I only listened to, like, Marty Robbins you know what I mean? And it's like, these are really hokey, you know, uh, I shot my wife down at the Alamo, you know, like whatever. They're like really corny cowboy stories, but like being able to go into it and go, to like the next level, the third level, the fourth level, when you come back up, it's kind of like the world's different a little bit, you know? And and I just, I just, I love that feeling. And I'm, I think we can both agree that we're so lucky that we get to like do that for a living, which is crazy.
0: Absolutely. All, All right. right so what else you got? Next on my list, it's a broad one and I'm going to clear my throat, so I'm going to turn my mic off as I do that, the benefits of Zoom. Uh, my next one is innovation. I said it at the beginning of this episode, it's been a weird year, dumpster fire year. Uh, It's been tough. Every day brings new emotional challenges, physical challenges. And for the creative community, there's been a real need to innovate around the pandemic, through the pandemic. And we've seen great examples of artists innovating and keeping their music alive and keeping us as fans plugged in. Uh, The drive-in shows, that became a thing this year. We saw it happen in Europe before the States. Here in Illinois, where we live, uh, Chicago band Local H, was the pioneer locally. They did a, a pair of drive-in shows at the end of June in downstate Illinois, which for a world starved from music, live events, seeing other people in the flesh, it was this wonderful cathartic moment. Here's a band used to playing in these sweaty filled to capacity clubs. And they were the first, they navigated their way through all the difficulties in putting on a show themselves, let alone at an unorthodox venue. And it was this transcendent moment for me. It was my reconnection to live music. It was a thrill that was innovating. Uh, I think about my friend, Martin Atkins who was in public image limited and killing joke. And he created good a name pig drop. Face. Good name drop. Uh, he's, I mean, he's played with everybody uh, sure. and, and because he created pig face, he's literally played with everyone in the same band. Uh, he spearheaded something in Illinois called the Midwest Music Expo, which is designed to help educate people interested in the music business. And just this past weekend or two weeks ago as of when we're recording this, he created the world's first scratch and sniff music conference. So people who were interested in attending could order ahead a scratch and sniff card. And at various points during this digital zoom conference, the participants were told to scratch their card and sniff to be immersed in whatever they're talking about so what kind
1: be, of smells would you have from a concert like stale beer
0: well it, it was a conference right so it wasn't always concert stuff okay. uh, burning rubber was one of the smells interesting uh, i think sweaty socks was another one sure so again how do you take a music conference and make it meaningful in an age where everyone's stuck at home Scratch and sniff. I thought that was innovative. And of course, we've seen and we continue to see examples of artists finding a way to perform and share what they do digitally with video. I I think of artists creating Patreons where their fans can contribute money in exchange for exclusive access into studios, video interviews, video performances, archival stuff. We've seen bands from the Foo Fighters on down do these live sets that have kept us all plugged in. One year ago, I couldn't imagine sitting in front of my laptop, tablet, phone, watching this stuff. Now I can't wait for the next one. And it's um, innovation.
1: My girlfriend and I, every year, we like to do a thing called Coachella. Um, whereas we never go to actual uh, India. Once you've done it once, you don't ever want, really want to do it again. you know. And, uh, but they broadcast, they live stream Coachella through YouTube. So every year during Coachella weekend, we go and get like charcuterie and do like the whole thing, and we watch it on the couch. And it's like, it's brilliant. And for someone that's short and has a very good stereo hooked up to their TV, like a good soundbar, it's it's so it's so fun. It's it's a great way to experience music when you can't, especially when you like now where you literally can't see it live. Like I mean, to me, nothing replaces the It's one of the things that I'm thankful for. Um, I'm thankful for that feeling of the bass going through your chest. I think that's one of the best feelings in the world. That feeling of just uh, an E chord just crushing your rib cage.
0: It's so funny you should say, I was just talking about this with someone. The loudest concert I ever went to in my life was the Ramones. I was at the Riviera in Chicago, and I was just talking well, about it. Well, if you
1: this. can't play good, play loud. That's, that's smart, yeah.
0: Three chords, one haircut. That's all you need. That's right. But the bass was so loud. It was like a physical presence in the room. Every time a string was plucked, it was like getting punched in the chest, exactly what you're describing. And that, that, is, a, that is a distinct feeling. That is something that excites me.
1: I searched that out. I do. Like, I look for that part of a show where I can get, like, the, the rumble of that. Like, oh, to me, there are a few things better than that. My loudest show ever was, my first show ever, um, it was uh, Pearl Jam with Bad Religion and the Frogs opening, which, by the way, the Frogs, I'm very thankful for them, too. That is a very bizarre band. And if you've I, ever experienced them, they are, it's their Eminem way, way before Eminem as far as pushing every single button and like they start past the line and keep going. I, I have a
0: frog story. If we have time or I'll save it for a later day, but oh. definitely along the lines of what you're talking about.
1: So bad religion was the opening band. Well, frogs, then bad religion, that Pearl jam. And I've never been to a concert before. So I have no idea what's about to happen. You know, I mean, I know what's going to happen, but I don't know what's going to happen. Right. And they came out and it wasn't the base. It was just, It was the loudest thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. And, I mean, to this day. And, I mean, God, I've been to a thousand shows at this point. Still, without a shadow of a doubt, the loudest thing I've I've ever experienced. (laughs) What else are you thankful for? Um, I am thankful for, you know what? I am thankful for my first guitar. Um, I never got good enough to play it. On a level of you know, saying I'm good at guitar, but when, when did you get it? I got it. This is why I'm thankful for it because it was my finest and first true act of teenage rebellion. Um, so I come from a, a family. My parents divorced when I was young, and um, I was in high school, and I really wanted a guitar. I was I was into music. All the way at this point. And I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be Stone Gosser. That was the goal. So I, uh, I, uh, I, I talked to my parents about getting me a guitar, and, you know, neither of them have enough money to get me one. But the deal was, it was, uh, they both uh, tried to play each other against each other. So it was, my mom said if my dad would split it with her, she would pitch in for it. And my dad said if my mom would split it, he'd pitch in for it. So, boom, off we go. My dad's a musician, so he takes me to a, a, you know, a store, a music store. I walk around acting like I know anything about guitars when really I'm just looking for the coolest looking thing there that's going to get me chicks, right? That's all I'm looking for is like, what's the coolest hammer I can find, right? That's all that matters to me. I know I want a Fender. That's all I know, right? Uh, you know, does it have a whammy bar? I don't even know what a whammy bar does yet, but I want one, right? So I finally find the guitar that I want. Uh, ironically, it wasn't a Fender. It was a Gibson. Um, and I was like, I want that. And I pick out the amp and the whole thing. And then my dad pulls the rug out. And he's like, I'm not getting this for you. What are you talking about? And I was like, I thought you and mom said you'd split it. And he's like, well, we haven't talked about that. And I was oh, like, no. what are you talking about? So I go home and I you know, start screaming at my mom, like, you guys duped me. And this is ridiculous. And You know, I can't believe that he would do that. And then she said the same thing. She's like, well, I never said I would do it. I said that was a scenario. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I got so mad that I took whatever money I had saved up, which was not much. I I was delivering pizzas at the time. I was like a pizza delivery. And I I wasn't even able to deliver pizza. I was like a cook, like pizza, you know, pizza parlor. I'm in the back, you know, making pizzas.
0: Let me ask you this. Are there times in your radio career when you think, God, I wish I stuck with the pizza place?
1: Four to five times a week, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I took my savings, which was minimal, obviously, as a, I was like 14, 15. And uh, went down to the record store myself, took the bus to get there. And I, uh, which was a feat because I, drew, I took the bus to Milwaukee like an idiot. Um, I grew up in Racine. It's so like half hour out of town. Um, like I transferred and the whole thing was crazy and I go to the record store and I go I don't have enough for all of this. This is all I have. Can I can I? Can is this enough and They're like well not enough for it. You know you can't get the Les Paul, but we'll give you the <laughs> Epiphone How about that and I'm like good enough? That's cool, too. It's all black, and I know you know I've seen pictures of Stone Gossard playing at Gibson So that's good enough that's good enough um, Rode the bus home with it <laughs> went t- went into my uh my basement mind you i don't know how to i don't know a single note like it's not like I practiced and I like, oh, I like this, I want one of my own. I have never even strummed a guitar. Mm-hmm. go in my basement, turn the thing up as loud as it can go, and just stand there and strum with the most awful sound it's not tuned I'm not holding <laughs> any chord it is just. Arr! And I sat there until my mom like finally flipped out and ran downstairs and was like, What the hell are you doing? And I was like, It's my guitar. And she's like, How did you pay for it? I was like, I paid for it, I bought it myself. And she like, I was kind of hoping for the like, I'm so sorry, you know, like this is so exciting. And instead, she was like, Well, turn it down.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> and just went back upstairs. And I was like, yes. I will never, I'm never going to stop not turning it down for the rest of my life. And, you know, that was it. And, you know, obviously I got good at guitar and I learned how to play. And, you know, it's really been a, it gets you chicks. It gives you something to do. I got to be in, you know, I was in a band in college, which meant free drinks at the house parties that we play at. And, you know, all of these things. And yeah, man, that first, but that first guitar was just the perfect, like, it was my first true like, middle finger to my parents. Like, I'm doing this rock and roll forever.
0: You know, I think I literally gave my parents the middle finger. When I, was uh, I
1: did that once to my mom, and she threatened to kill me. So I said, she, uh, her exact quote was, I brought you into this world, and I will not hesitate to take you out of it. And at that point, I decided that, that was the last time I was going to flip off my mom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get that. All right, yeah, I have yeah. one more on my list of things to be thankful for. Go for it. I We see this time and again, but I love when a veteran artist puts out new music that is vital, it's interesting, it's compelling, and competitive with everything else that's coming out. And we've seen examples this past year in 2020 of veteran artists putting out, for lack of a better way of saying it, cool shit. Uh, let's start with Pearl Jam. I, I thought that album was fantastic.
1: It's Great. And cool how they marketed it and everything, too.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the, the lead single sounded like, Something off Remain in Light by Talking Heads. Awesome. Uh, Fiona Apple dropped that album by surprise at the beginning of the pandemic, which sounded amazing. Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Sure. The band band X. I mean, John Doe, Exine Cervenka, back in action. Alphabet Land was one of this year's great surprises. Then Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth, who I haven't paid attention to for about 25 years, put out an album called By the Fire, which completely caught me at the right time. Love that. Uh, Bob Mould staying angrier and better than most of his peers. And then there's someone like Mark Lanigan who will always sound good. Straight songs. I'm convinced
1: uh, as far as Mark Lanigan goes, I, I've said this for a long time. Uh Mark Lanigan's voice is the voice you hear when you
0: make it to heaven or hell. <laughs> that's perfect.
1: Either way, he that's the voice you hear.
0: <laughs> uh the the Deftones came back with Ohms. Fantastic yeah. album. And talk about a veteran band that we haven't heard from for a while and this is really just a way to scratch your belly. Uh, the band hum returned this year with an album that no one expected, which is one of the year's best. I'm and forever
1: so- thankful for hum. That damn song stars is the song is forever for me forever. That song will be forever.
0: So I'm thankful for these long running artists who still are creative and inventive enough to turn my head and turn my ears. And there are so many great examples of that from this past year alone.
1: Um, a couple of things that I'm thankful for just to wrap it up is, um, I'm I I literally have Hum written down. I'm thankful for Hum. Um <laughs> I'm thankful for tape I'm thankful for uh WKQX DJs that didn't always talk over the intro to that song as I tried to tape it off of the radio back in the day. That was very I was very happy when I finally got the actual version without you clowns talking over the top of it. So I
0: think we were told to talk over the ramps. <laughs> of course we were.
1: Of course. Of yeah. course. Hit you the had post, to. Bro. Yeah. Plus that intro is like and like two and a half hours long before the song even starts,
0: and it's quiet. You're not competing against the guitars. Yeah, it, it was a perfect talk bed.
1: I'm thankful for that song. I'm thankful for that little sound in the pre-chorus to "Creep" by Radiohead. the guitar <laughs> chunk. I One do of the like the guitar chunks I've uh-huh. ever heard. Um, Patrice O'Neill, the comedian who's passed um, passed away a few years ago, but he has a really great bit on how much white people love that sound. <laughs> And the best part about it is it's 100 percent accurate. <laughs> like, he's like, "You can stand in a room full of people, and when that, when that sound happens, white people will go. <laughs> it's like a dog whistle.
0: <laughs> Guilty.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the last thing I'll say that I'm thankful for is I'm thankful for minor chords. I love melancholy music, and there's something so sad about A minor. That is the greatest. It's so weird because it's so sad and tragic. But for whatever reason, for me, I think that is just the most perfect. It's the perfect key. It's the perfect note.
0: Well, it's for people just, who don't have the musical knowledge or aptitude, what's the difference between a major chord and a minor chord? Because when you say that, in my head, I think I understand what that means. Minor chords are the sad chords. Like
1: if Blink-182 played their songs in minor chords, they would be the 1975, early 1975, (laughs) not 1975 now that they're like kind of glossy and shiny and poppy. But like, yeah, like they're the emo chords, I guess is the best way to put it. They're the sad ones.
0: They're the Joy Division chords. There you go. There I go.
1: Well, John. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Same to you, man. I, uh, I hope you get to celebrate it with the people that you don't mind infecting. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I hope, I hope it's as good as it can be. And the last time we ever have to deal with a holiday where we say, um, email me the potatoes.
0: Right. Let's zoom. Let's zoom our aunt and uncle.
1: Yeah. Let's Let's uh, let's hopefully never have to do this again.
0: The History of Alternative podcast is recorded at the 101 WKQX Studios in Chicago. Subscribe on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't do drugs. Stay in school.